Hello, welcome to Need to Breed. I'm Cressida Wetton. In this podcast, I talk to people about how they make the decision to try to have a family or not. In this episode, I'm speaking to comedian and father Dylan Dodds. Uh, Dylan and his wife always knew they wanted to be parents, but obviously they couldn't have known that that would happen during a global pandemic. So Dylan talks a bit about what that was like, about having COVID himself during his wife's pregnancy, um, and also about when the baby arrives, not having any FOMO for going out because nobody was going out. This was recorded on the 18th of October 2020. This is episode nine with Dylan Dodds. My wife very much felt the, the age pressure. Mm. So part of so so I said before that we were very much talking about um, it quite early on in the relationship, kind of because we we're already quite at ease with each other because we went to school together. Um, we didn't work out together after school, um, and uh, so we talked about it quite early on. She was always very much, I want to have children at thirty. Mm-hmm. I was more like thirty-five, so we uh, compromised at thirty-one. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, straight down the middle. Yeah, straight down the middle, 31. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, it's definitely the right time. Mm-hmm. My last show was very much about... Well, you know when you were at work, my last show, my first show, um, you know when you write a show, you don't really know what it's about. And I sort of realised there was this thread of talking about my friends having children, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And so actually I felt like my journey, I don't know if anyone actually got this from watching the show, but, but for me it was like, oh, the journey is, the, this is just the decision to have the kids. <laughs> Right. Just because it sort of coincided with, we decided to do it. So it was, mm-hmm. I guess, me coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Whether I did come to terms with it or not is uh, a, a whole other question, I suppose. Right. <laughs> I should say ongoing. at this point, I've just met Dylan's baby. <laughs> the baby does exist. The baby does exist. So yes, well, that's the thing. It's actually, we're, we're, we're quite lucky. Mm-hmm. And the second I got back from Edinburgh, we started trying. And it was almost immediate. Right. Um, so, very lucky. I thought it would take a couple more months than it did. Yeah. Um, my attempts to, not my attempts, but <laughs> my uh, I've spent a lot of time drinking and smoking in the past, so I thought it would have done a bit more than it right. did <laughs> to, like to give me a bit more time. Yeah, those warnings on the packets mean nothing. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. Uh, so we're lucky. So straight away. Yeah. Well, we thought we were lucky because then six months later, six months into the pregnancy everything happened that is happening now so what do you mean we had to deal with that um, oh sorry COVID. well i decided i decided to stop doing comedy for a while i'm um, oh, not covid no i just well i thought i'd, I'd have a little break just right. not because of covid just because of the kids right so that's why i'm gigged for a while mm-hmm. um because of the kids <laughs> and then everyone else decided to have a break as well at the same time <laughs> <laughs> without being without being given the option really so that's yeah. quite fort- fortunate in a way yeah, I um, guess so. Although it must have been more difficult in terms of hospital. I mean, I don't. I just realised. I just accidentally said that, that the pandemic is fortunate, so that's not a great. Band no, to you're start. a positive person. I'm so positive. Seeing the good side of it, you must have made things more difficult. I mean, I know you don't have anything to compare it to because it's your first baby, but no. Well, that's the that's the sort of tragic thing. I don't want to get like heavily depressing with this, but it's sort of tragic that I'm never really going to know. We're never going to know what the experience of our first child would have been like without everything sort of effect impacting on it so um it's always going to be colored by that lens but you know i mean 
life happens. So whatever happens, it's always going to be coloured by that lens. And uh, honestly, in terms of the effect on us, apart from a few specific incidents, which I'll probably talk about in a bit, it wasn't... Uh, I'm sure a lot of other people had it a lot harder going through similar experiences at this time. Um, the main thing people and your listeners might not be aware of is that people weren't allowed to have their birth partners in with them during labour. No, so, I haven't really. I, I think I might have heard something. Yeah, so... Possibly Siobhan told me something about this, but I didn't realise it was during labour. Yeah. I mean, that is the number one time when you'd want... When you want someone. partner there. But obviously labour is um, a lot longer than the t- films and TVs will have you, yeah. have you know as well. So it's not... It's not a problem that would have affected everyone because a lot of people will be doing their labours at home and then once you're in active labour, that's when you're supposed to go to the hospital. So you should have someone with you then. Or in our case, uh, what happened was um, we uh, were on the due date and it was uh, go time. And we had a minor complication, which meant we had to go in uh, immediately and uh, be induced. Um, Not anything to worry about, but just a situation where they were like, well, it's your first child, I need to keep you under observation and speed it up a little bit hormonally, um, which was sort of good. I just heard my baby girl wailing in the background. Um, which was sort of good because, well, I think this is definitely where me and my wife differ because I think it was good because we didn't have as much time sitting worrying and I think she would have been a lot more worried mm-hmm. had we had to sit at home for two hours with nothing to hours, sorry, two days right. with nothing to do other than getting in more and more pain. Um and then uh and then go to the hospital. So instead we just went straight away and I could mm-hmm. be with her the whole time. So, oh, so you're not excluded at the the No. The intense bit at the end. Yeah. It's so it's like there's like the in the end I think we were there for like I don't actually know, maybe like twenty four to to 36 hours sort of blur I should know that really she would know that um, mm. uh, Ben Clover had this lovely phrase he said the day is full of incident mm. I imagine your uh, adrenaline's up yeah well my adrenaline so what, my adrenaline hit uh, <laughs> before on the due date so I mean I may as well say this because it's probably going to cover, cover the whole thing and then we can get the COVID stuff out of the way right. so what happened to me was um because at what happened to us is when lockdown happened that day, uh, my wife um, runs a musical theatre group for children. So we're all in the theatre, get ready for their big show they've been building to for eight months. And uh, the news announcement was like everything shut down. So she had to send all these kids home that have been working on it for ages. But the whole day I've been feeling a little odd, a bit up and down, um, and I wasn't really sure what it was, but I had a feeling because I've done quite a lot of gigs over that weekend, met a lot of people. So essentially the worst thing that could have possibly happened that have happened to my wife had just happened to my wife, who was also seven, eight months pregnant. And I had to say, oh, sorry, I don't think I can comfort you because I think I have this thing. So um, I... Basically, she said her mum's for a couple of days. Oh, you thought you had COVID? I thought I had COVID. Right. And then she um, she said her mum's, and she thought that I was using it as an excuse to play video games. So she came back into the house. 
And within about a week, it was apparent that we did have something in the house. Uh, and she also had symptoms. And she had symptoms slightly worse than me. So we had um, 10 days to two weeks of very scary. I said, mum's pregnant. Um, waking in the night with not, not major serious symptoms, but she was struggling to breathe. A couple of times we called 111 and all this. Uh, one night we called 999. Um, but they basically said she can still form full sentences. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. And uh, as we know, this is ha- has a happy ending. It's good we mentioned that I have a baby at the start, yeah, so this, yeah. this isn't really harrowing to listen it to. Sounds stressful. Um, but yeah, that was so that was number one. So we went through that period, um, and got through it and was okay. A lot yeah. of the stuff for if anyone who's who's pregnant now and listening or planning on having a child now is that actually at first um, the pregnant women weren't even put in the high risk group. Mm-hmm. They are in the high risk group now, um, but. From what we saw, a lot of the stuff is that actually doesn't really affect pregnant. It's not really a comorbid factor, um, and babies have all been unaffected, mm-hmm. um, much like children, a lot less right. susceptible. So that's okay. good news. Good news. Um, and, and as far as we're aware, our baby now has the antibodies from breastfeeding. Right. Uh, so even if they were to get it either, uh, my baby would also be. Mm-hmm. relatively adept at fighting it off even more so than a normal baby so that's positive right. um then i thought oh i'll do something good i saw that they were doing a plasma um uh, tr- uh, tr- trial and i thought you know what this is like our big moment this is my chance to finally do something selfless because i'm a very very selfish person which will become i assume more apparent as we talk uh as my wife reminds me i'm a very selfish person um and I was like, no, I'm going to do something to help other people for once. I'm going to do something to help other people. So I decided to do this plasma trial. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was going well. I gave like half the, the plasma and then started to feel a bit faint. And they were like, oh, this can happen. This can happen. And um, basically, they had to stop the treatment as I had a, what was described at the time as a bad reaction. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't know what happened. Uh, a faint feeling? Or... Yeah, I, had, I, went, I went faint. And my whole body was shaking um, for like two hours. And they're like, oh, it could be a reaction to the anticoagulant we use. Sometimes that happens. Um, But there's another theory, um, which is that because I previously lived quite a high energy lifestyle, gigging three nights a week, uh, commuting heavily um, into work every every day as well on top of that. So I I was, I'm not a healthy person, but I was an active person. And then I went to lockdown for three months and like was mm-hmm. loving it, just playing video games the whole time. Um, but my body this whole time was still creating all this adrenaline, possibly. Right. So essentially, I got like one hit of three months worth of gig adrenaline in one go when I was doing this like scary situation, scary thing of giving blood, mm-hmm. giving the plasma. And it could have been that. I don't know. Unintended lockdown consequences, Boris. I hope you're listening. I don't think Boris listens to this. He should have yeah, persuaded so to not have another kid. He's already, <laughs> he's already got six or seven, which is too many. It might persuade him. I heard he's keen. I mean, this, this is another, another, a whole other section of conversation, but I'm very much of the opinion that we should be telling people to only have two kids, like more, no more than two kids. That's interesting. Because of the environmental impact. Right. So I think it's one of those things where people don't really consider when deciding whether to have kids is that 
the second you have a child, you double your carbon footprint because that child has is going to have the same carbon footprint as you. So really what I want to do is if I can put off at least one person from having a kid by listening to this, then I've offset my own carbon footprint. From so we can't trust anything you say. It's all got an agenda. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. And I push the no, the no kid agenda. Right. But I mean, it's, I mean, you know, how people feel about the climate change and environmental causes is their own decision to make. I very much uh, feel like I should be doing more than I do. So the kids is one of the big ways to, to do that so we've always said we won't we won't have more than two um mm-hmm. and i snobbishly look down at people who do have no i don't <laughs> people, have more than two, people in my family have more than two and i judge them for it um, <laughs> silently because that would make it awkward at family <laughs> family events although there aren't any family events at the moment so mm. so that's fine that's <laughs> very true no family events um, so when you when you were you said you met at school mm. this was always on the cards so what was there a period of of oh it was very much not on the cards at school right. <laughs> fair enough it was very much off the cards so did you so once you got together as a couple that's when you had a conversation well no it wasn't immediate um it was oh I don't know really so we've been together seven or eight years married for two wow you're shocked well it's a long time it's, it's a long especially, work, yeah, especially if you're a comedian i've been trying to <laughs> i've been trying to prove that you can be a comic and maintain a stable relationship yeah and jury's out on whether i proved that <laughs> whether you can be a successful comic and have a stable relationship <laughs> but i did manage to maintain the relationship so now we're going one step further can you be a comic and have a child yeah yeah well they're out there aren't they i've yeah. spoken to some and uh and yeah, we don't know currently from my experience because I haven't gone back to gigging yet because mm. there's hardly any gigs. Yeah. And I don't want to waste time doing Zoom things. And I'm also yeah. still on the tail end of a bit of a bit of a, a breakdown from <laughs> from trying to help. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So yes, so basically giving plasma was horrible and yeah. that's the last time I try and do anything nice for anyone. <laughs> I've tried it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Do you know if your plasma did you did you do what you set out to do? Did you help the cause? Well, they said they could use the the half that they had. Great. So hopefully that went some way to helping people. I mean, they probably just gave it to Trump and like wasted it. <laughs> or Boris had it straight after. So every basically this whole experience has been completely marred because Boris has just been one upping me at every point. <laughs> in that he also got pregnant at exactly the same time, and then he got COVID at exactly the same time. So Boris is just and just uh, yeah. Taking my singing my thunder completely. He also is having terrible hair. (laughs) That's a lie. Dylan's hair looks great. It is. It looks very. uh, What's the word? Majestic. Long. Well, for the viewers viewers at home, I've been. (laughs) Basically, I write a blog where I compare my life to sitcom Friends every two weeks, and I've used. I'm using lockdown to attempt to grow a Rachel. Oh. (laughs) For my next show. I can see that working. Yes, I mean, I'm no Jennifer Aniston, but. uh, so no, but you could do that. Um, yeah, Adam and Joe had a character, didn't they, that was, <laughs> that was based on her. A little, uh, do you ever see that? Fur ends. It was a spoof takeoff of Friends. Fur ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah Gunter tries to go on a date just with the hair and not her. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's very funny. I've never actually watched any Adam and Joe. Oh, I've got some clips to send you. Yes, please. That'd be great. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm, I'm. This is the point where more than being embarrassed about accidentally saying anything about not liking kids and my wife hearing, I'm more worried that she's going to overhear and realize and find out that I'm growing a Rachel, and that's why I'm not getting a haircut because <laughs> I haven't told her yet. But I'm sure, she'll find out at some point. That's why I'm not getting wow. a haircut. You've heard it here first. Yeah. So you, you're joking about not liking kids. Were you previously a bit anti? Um, it's more that I don't. Well, oh, my wife. At this point, my wife has walked in. <laughs> And he's giving me a judgmental look. I haven't said anything nasty about kids yet. I've just been given the preamble. Um, I would say that I'm not a pro kid. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's more just I didn't really see the point. I'm not very family orientated. Okay. And I get it. Or I got it. I mean, I get it a lot more now, obviously, as oh. I have a child. Um, and it's, it's really lovely. Um, in many many ways in ways that I never could have imagined I think that's the main thing like if there's one take home from listening to this it's that nothing can possibly actually prepare you this is really cliche nothing can prepare you for what it is like um, and how you will deal with it even Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how amazing it is and in terms of how hard it is Um, certainly at the early stages I mean it's 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 that sort of got that thing where it's getting easier every day and she's now four months. She is four months old. Um, yes, so it's four months, and it's going well. Yeah, and getting easier. That's this, interesting. That's not the dodgy start. Yeah. Yeah. So previously you were a bit um, unsure, or, or not. Would you say you're one of these people that says, "Oh, I'm not a baby person." Yes. Yeah, so I would have said before, and. This is this is interesting because it's sort of diminished. But before, I've always been like, because I'm very into music, I'm one of those people who, you know, would be like, here's my least, te- when I had MySpace, I just remember this, when I had MySpace back a decade ago, I had like a, here's my 10 least favourite sounds, like mm-hmm. in, in true 15-year-old uh, grunger form. And number two, Barking Dogs, number one, Crying Babies. <laughs> so that's sort of my level of obsession with of distaste for the, the more more just the sound but i've realized having a baby that a lot of that fear and distaste for that that specific sound came from simply just you're hearing something that's distressed yeah and you can't do anything about it yeah so actually when you have a child and it's your child it's a lot lessened it's still horrible it's still horrible at three in the morning yeah sure. but um and especially like the first sort of six weeks or so when it's very very regular yeah um it's hard but once you you very very rapidly learn how to what it is that the baby needs mm-hmm. and from that point on it's a lot easier to deal with right there's still times when you're like oh i wish they wouldn't I wish they'd just give me five minutes yeah, um, yeah sure. even though they do give you hours at a time i'm not crying um but uh yeah it's uh not my, not my favourite sound. So I wasn't hugely enamoured with, uh, with. It's more the baby part. Like I've never, I've always imagined myself having kids, mm-hmm. um, which played a big part of our decision. And I said this in, in the show how, you know, I always thought that one day I would have kids uh, because my, my two biggest role models growing up were parents, obviously, uh, my mum and Darth Vader. So <laughs> I had that. Um, Thanks for the pity laugh. That was one. Of, that was one of those lines that in the, in the show would like it was like fifty. I had to keep it because it was thematically, but it was not. It was not a killer by any means. Um, 
but yes, well, I'm, obviously, I mean, my mum and my dad. Uh, Your dad's Darth Vader. Most, yeah, well, yes, my dad is Darth Vader. Um, I found out that's actually why I'm growing my hair to look more like Luke Skywalker. Got it. Um, I feel like I'm going off on too many tangents. This is exactly what the reviewer said about the last show. <laughs> going off on too many tangents. Um, this will be heavily edited. Yeah, we've done two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dylan hates kids, here's why. <laughs> He's cut out all the nice stuff. Um, if I say my stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really say, interested I'm in that process from going from, you know, just being a young person to thinking, right, I'm now going to do this. I'm fascinated at the journey people. Yeah. What gets them to the point where they think, now's the time yeah so let's hone in on that so i definitely would say i'm one of those people who have always said it's more a case of when than if mm-hmm. um even if i've never had particularly successful relationships until my current one um if that's successful i mean it's successful so far we've made a child so yes <laughs> it's successful um and I love, I love you. <laughs> Are you okay? Pardon? Are you okay? I'm feeling self-conscious. Why? Because I just said, made a joke about us being in a successful relationship. Just, I'll be doing, we'll be doing great until this section. This I still you it's fine. Yeah, cool. Um, so... If you offend me, I'll tell you. You tell me later, that's the problem. <laughs> you want to tell me if you're okay? Can we just come in and just like hit me with a frying pan? Like, Wait, don't a, talk about that. It turns into an episode at the bottom. It'd be good. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's the old jingle from the comedy store late night, uh, Jonglers. Um, I believe the lyrics are "I see trouble up ahead." I thought that's what you were getting. Is at. that no, Social no colour scene, right? Oh, is it? Maybe. I don't know. It's, I, they used to always use it to cut in the. Um, ah. Part of the reason I do comedy is I used to stay up late and watch the. Live at the comedy store and the jungler's on. Jungler's mm-hmm. unleashed, it was. And they used to always cut between the different acts with that jingle. Bow, bow, right. bow, 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 bow. And then it'd be like the next act or something, or like it was a Seinfeld thing or something, I don't know. Got it. So, if uh, it's more a question of when than if. Um, and once you're in a long term relationship, it's sort of, well, I think if you're a man, there's a lot less of a say because there's no time pressure. Obviously, I'm sure lots of people have said this. So men, you know, there, there is no time pressure. Uh, women have that, like, 20-year window. Now, thanks to science, it's more like 25, even, like, 32. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You wouldn't want to have a child at 16. Um, and maybe not at, like, 45. But it's technically all possible, isn't it? Uh, what was that woman who had... The woman who was, like, in her 60s and she had children... Like oh, I don't ago. know. You hear these these things now and then, don't you? But I think you're right that it would be. It's not without. Um, it doesn't sound easy, does it? It doesn't sound like the easiest way to do it. Yeah, there's very much. I mean, the main. It's interesting that we, we've essentially done it at, at the exact middle point when we could have done it. I had a child, and really, whenever I talk to people about this this decision, they always say, "Oh, well, there's." There's two schools of thoughts, which is that you either do it very young, get it over with, you don't know what you're missing, and then you get like a, you hit 40, the kids go, and you have like a wonderful second life. Mm. Or you do it later, sort of like mid to late 30s, and then you've lived already, um, but you're going to 
you sort you forward you develop these things in your life that you might not want to lose or you feel like you're losing them um and then equally by the time you have a child uh, the child's gone you're a retirement age so you don't really know what things are going to be like then yeah yeah nate bargatze has a joke about this i think he had a kid at 35 and he says or something like by the time i leave by the time she leaves uh, i'll be 50 something i'll be dead within hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then, but then, I mean, it, I think it depends whether you feel, whether you, if you reach that point of your life and you feel fulfilled, mm. then I think that's definitely the right thing to do. And there's definitely was an element in our life where it was sort of going well enough. I wouldn't say I felt fulfilled, but I felt like fulfilled enough that I'd sort of done things, done some things that I wanted to do before I was 30 and we were mm. stable enough that like throwing a baby into the mix wasn't necessarily going to blow things up too much right um i saw a clip of dr phil the other day with this 16 year old who was pregnant and the family was sort of discussing how to manage that and i go around thinking all the kind of not ready not ready stuff you know which is to do with finance and my lifestyle and all that mm. and then watching this child and being interviewed and how naive she was i thought ah no i'm not completely i realized i've got 20 years on this girl yeah and actually it just sort of struck me that I wasn't as immature as I think I am. And it sounds like you guys were pretty set. Yeah. Compared to a 16-year-old. Compared to a 16-year-old, yes. I'm, well, I'm very immature. Um, immature or mature? Immature. Very immature, very selfish. I mean, I'm a comic, so obviously I'm very selfish, well, very mature, as I say. No okay. offence to the present company, obviously. Um, but, um, but, uh, but my... And honestly, there's no way I could have done anything approaching what I've been doing with the, the baby if I didn't have my wife holding my hand and and uh, doing more just doing the research because you know I've got my stuff to my stuff that I want to be doing. So in a down, there's a down, lots of free, lots of free time right now. But yeah, am I going to spend that time reading a baby book? No, I just go with my instincts. Then any gaps get filled in by um, by my wife, who's very, very good up and very great, the perfect, perfect mum. So it's uh, it's nice. I mean, it's good uh, in terms of be. I suppose one of the things that we're doing a little different is um, we are both sort of partly part-time I, mm -hmm. I work four days a week which I was doing alongside comedy and music but now I'm just working four days a week so I genuinely don't understand how anyone and, look, and looking after a baby is a full-time job for mm -hmm. one person to do but it's a full-time job that really one person doing it I don't we've, we always talk about this we don't know how anyone would would do that Siobhan said her and Dave give each other respite constantly. That's and her husband's a teacher, so he gets these long periods where he can do it. And then um, when he's back at school, she does more. And she sort of, I mean, clearly people, you know, it's, there's loads of single parents, but mm. that's something I am a bit fearful of. I, I assume you wouldn't have done it alone. Uh... Have the option somehow. Arisen. No, I wouldn't. But my biggest fear is um, we have we have a running joke. <laughs> okay, this is the bit that's going to hit me for you, but I think we'll be okay with coming in. 
because I'm going to put it in stand-up eventually at some point, which is that we have a running joke, which is that a couple of years ago, it came out in a conversation that I had a, a, not a fantasy. The joke is that it's a fantasy, but it's the opposite of a fantasy, which was that I would sometimes daydream a future in which we had two children and my wife had something very bad had happened to her. And I was living that life where I was stuck with those two children. But not in a negative wow. way, in a like, in my imagining, I was like a sort of Liam Neeson character. Being, I just find stuck can be a good word. I mean, that doesn't sound negative at being, all. Yeah, being drawn. Um, in imagining the film of my own life in a sort of a 101 Dalmatians way of like, how would I meet someone else? <laughs> and balance looking after the children and all this situation. Which is I which I have to stress is not a fantasy. <laughs> You've got to have something to fill the thoughts at 2am when you can't. Yes, it's just something that I thought about once, but and then came out, and now and then it, it's like a running joke that we have, that that's a thing, but really it was just a fear that that would happen. Mm. Although so so far we're, we're one child towards fulfilling the prophecy, so... <laughs> we'll see. Um, hopefully nothing bad will happen. Yes, hopefully. You know what, though? Can I just say that I would, I would do it on my own. Yes. Would you? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. It's hard work and it is very hard work. And I do think I do look at single parents and mm. take my hat off to them and think, my God, like, having Dylan is so I, I don't know how, how I do it without you. But I would. But you would. She's worth it. Yeah. Right. So, so, so worth it. You would just you just make it work. Mm-hmm. Whatever situation you're in is your normal. So if for some reason we weren't we weren't in the situation we're in, I had a choice of either doing it alone or not doing it. I would do it alone and I'll just adjust and you just, and that becomes your normal, but I would do it on my own, 100%. That's yeah. very interesting to me. And the main difference, <laughs> the main difference between us is that my wife could do it on her own, whereas I yeah. would, I would just put that in. Would I think that's, that's, that's very yeah. interesting. Um, I would struggle to do it on my own. Um, just from, more from, from my current mental state more than anything else, but. Because uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know a better word of saying. I was going to say relentless, consistent. You consistently need to be available, thinking about somebody else. That's my idea that that's the difficult bit. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, it's it's not. I find looking after her on the days I have it. So my wife works on Saturdays, and I take her for the full day on the Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we just share it. But most of the time, we're not. We don't. We don't. Not really doing. Um, like Siobhan, Dave, yeah, we're, where we're giving each other respite so much, we mostly just, if we're both free, yeah. we'll try and both, sorry, my, my wife will have us both try and I will try and play video games, but we'll not be able to. Um, so, and then we'll do stuff together um, for a bit. And then we're starting to do more and more of the respite. I think that'll come more, it was more just for the first that's that first six week period mm-hmm. where the problem with newborns is they're on this cycle where they need to eat every three hours but they need to sleep every two hours so it's like a square peg in a round hole how do you manage that sort of problem of the feed versus the sleep cycle i didn't know that is that common to babies generally then uh, yeah, I might have had it the wrong way around. It might be eat every two and then sleep every three, but right, um, I have no idea. Yeah, so but it's only it's only six weeks um, that that period happens. Um, also, people don't. This is this is what I mean with people saying it's not that hard. Is 
uh, or no, sorry, with people being unprepared about how hard it is, it's not to say it's like it's very rewarding, and it's totally worth it for that that point when when the baby sort of smiles for the first time. My friend was saying the other day, it's really weird that we haven't evolved as as babies the ability to smile immediately because it would make those first three months so much easier for the parents to get through if the baby was smiling immediately. But instead, you just have to, you know, like be thinking of all your love for the child. And um, it's like doing a Zoom gig. How am I doing here? I've no idea. I might be dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, that's a good point. It is sort of, um, uh, yeah. Though no, I would say it's it's hard to know. Other than is she crying? If, if she's yeah. crying, I need to do something to stop. But equally, there was a way that I found it easier in those first four weeks um, than I do now because I'm so. I'm going to say that being selfish is a strength because I've, I'm very focused on needs. So I was always, okay, well. She's essentially, at this point, quite a basic animal. She's like cat level. Mm -hmm. So she either needs to sleep or feed for the first, like, three, four weeks. So I was always focused on those those basic needs. And my wife would be like, oh, maybe she needs changing. Is she in pain? I was like, I, it, it doesn't matter. We do, the, we do those first two things first, and then if there's still a problem after that, then it might be one of those other things. Whereas now, uh, four months, it could be... It could just be that she's bored if she starts crying. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more complex and I'm, and then that's when like the mother's instinct is really, really attuned to her needs. And you feel the difference between them? Well, yeah, that's what you've just said to me, the difference between the two of you. Uh, mm, I don't know. I think I'm still attuned to it. Maybe less so. I, I do just because of still working. I do naturally get like a, it's, it was always going to happen. It's quite sad how quickly it's happened, but just because my wife has spent more time with the baby, mm -hmm. It's already, I don't think she's baby's favourite yet, but she will be. And I think that's something that all dads have to come to, not all dads, but most dads have to come to terms with, that they're going to be number two in the eyes of their child and now number two in the eyes of their wife, rather than, well, number three after their wife, I guess. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. So I want to rush in and say, oh, no, how, what, how do we know that? But that's... That's what you've observed. I feel like it's politically correct to rush in and correct that. But it... Is it? Do I say something politically incorrect? No, no, I, I mean, be... just because we're all aiming for equality on everything all the time. And maybe I'm not offended by what you're oh, saying yeah. at I, all. I, 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 think this I will is happily stuff say I, I, I am a feminist without fear of that anti-white brigade shutting me down. <laughs> With no sense of irony from them. Um, but, uh, but yes, it's... I mean, motherhood is a lot... It, it's the last great sort of problem which feminism has to overcome because it's the, you know, it's such a big, it's the only real difference other than culturally constraint, our cultural constraints, once you remove everything. Like we could... We I'm could totally anti-woke on this. I believe in hormones and I... Could, oh, fine, okay. I, I mean, I, well, know, I know it's a really Well, hormones, well, hormones, are, but... hormones are real, so that's... But that, I mean, hormones are inherently tied into uh, pregnancy and the effect of, of, of motherhood and everything. Yeah. So one thing we well, found just out as really... a woman, I know that, that I definitely have this cycle where mm. there are days when I'm ratty and you know blah blah blah, and mm. I know it's monthly, and and I, I that is such a sort of 
I can't. I don't feel like I'm being offensive if I say I just have that experience. Yeah, no, I'm so glad it doesn't surprise me at all that, that it would be yeah. enormous in pregnancy. I, I'm glad you corrected me on that. Yes, that's that's true. Um, uh, uh, but that's so one of the one of the interesting things we had um, in, in terms of this gender, gender difference is that uh, my wife would wake up every single time there was a cry or a movement during the night. When, when the, with the newborn, but I could still sleep through a lot of it. And that's like a, I believe, I've been told, a genetic predisposition that, that the mother will have to doing that. Interesting. Um, and it makes sense uh, that you'd be thinking to it. And I, I've, I've developed that sense, but it took a lot longer for me to get more attuned to that. And now I wake up at four in the morning every morning whether she's woken up or not. <laughs> wow. But I think that's more just my own anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's really interesting to me. I, I mean, I don't know. It's all it's a hot topic, isn't it? But I mean, I can try and put you off more. So, because ba- babies at first, as I say, wake up a lot every couple of hours. Yeah. And then after six, after six weeks, it very much settles. And we're quite lucky in that for the last three weeks, our babies slept through from eight o'clock till six o'clock. Oh, wow. Every night, which I'm sure a lot of uh, parents listening will be very uh, annoyed at us for having Yeah, that yeah my dad would be number one. He says I never slept. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of uh, our friends and my, my sister, for example, had, having like have like one-year-olds now and they're still waking up at four in the morning and stuff. But even when that's not happening, you're still always the the constant state of alertness can be hard to certainly for me to to deal with. But that's more in the in the sort of aftermath of of the stuff that happened with with uh, the the COVID. Mm. Um, I think about that a lot. I imagine that once you've had a baby, you sort of one of the things that's a bit daunting is that you're that's it forever on this high alert and you know the times when you go to the pub and you say oh, I'm just going for one and then you stumble in at two and and you haven't really planned and whatever. and I have this fear that that sort of stuff is off the table and you want it to be on the table um well I don't know that's that's a good question do I want it on the table because I don't there's nothing brilliant about behaving like that there's just something a bit um it's like a bump for me that makes me think oh but imagine if I have to behave properly all the time forever and that I find that quite intimidating, but I might be wrong. Maybe that melts away, and you don't want to do that anyway. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the weird. This is one of the things where, again, it's impossible to talk of without the lockdown because mm. there's no FOMO at the moment. Yeah. For me, whereas otherwise, I would have probably been a lot like, oh, I'm missing out because I love drinking and I love going out. Although I would say in recent years, I've probably come to the conclusion that nothing really good happens after like one a.m. Yeah. So I think once you reach Absolutely. that point where you, you have that, then it's probably a bit better. Yeah, I think when you go out and you're 18, you have this sense that anything could happen. And then when you go out when you're 36, you think, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And just occasionally let yourself down by staying a bit later than you meant to or something like that. Yeah, but I will, when it gets back to it, I will be sad to have lost that possibility. But equally, I'll be happy to have an excuse to leave parties early. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's both good and bad. <laughs> Um, it's neither. It's neither. It's just. It's just new. I think this is the thing that my wife kept drilling into me, which has, should probably be the, the take home, is in that um, 
throughout my entire 20s, I saw having a child as um, like an end point. Yeah. But my wife would always say, it's not the end point. It's just a continuation, but things will be a bit different. That sounds good. She lied about how different they would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it was her first time as well. Um, but yeah, but it's, and so it is that. And I mean, we've all, this, we still talk and see, at the moment we still talk and, and, uh, and see, see our friends about, we haven't, there's nothing that we've had to really turn down or miss out on. Mm. Um, I'm sure there would have been things. Um, I haven't, I think I probably would have returned to comedy a bit sooner had, um, uh, had we not had a, had a child. Mm-hmm. Um during this time does it in some ways focus you differently though because when um athena did this podcast athena Kablenu, and she really sounded like she'd kind of gained a new focus and she i mean maybe this is my projection of it but it sounded like she was getting more done because now there's parameters you know and parameters are good for art right so because mm. um, i'm uh, i'm sure lots of people will say the same i'm really good at wasting a whole day if you give me a whole day but if i turn up at a gig at half past six after work and the gig starts at half seven i'll work really hard in that hour I sat at the back with my notebook thinking oh now what is that thing i want to say tonight yeah and that hour gets really really productive so one of my uh questions is is that relevant here because you, you can either see it like oh baby means you can't do anything or sometimes people get more focused yeah i suppose well the honest thing is i can't is the honest thing is i can't answer that because i just haven't booked any gigs so I haven't, because I haven't got any gigs booked, I haven't done any, I already have a backlog of stuff I've written, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't have time to do these gigs to, to try out all this material anyway, and that sort of hampered my writing for the last uh, sort of year or so anyway. Um, mostly I, I tend to to write as I'm gigging, so I think until mm-hmm. I get back to a rhythm of, 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 of gigging, I probably won't be working that hard. It's so difficult, I've done a, three or four new material nights, and it's... It's a bit disheartening to be the fifth act that says, so them Zoom meetings, hey? Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, I'm thinking I'm not interested in this idea already and I've only just written it. So I've found, I mean, it's an excuse, but I've found lockdown not very helpful for writing, really. Yeah. It sounds good. Oh, there's all this spare time. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> yeah, and there's no, there's no shame in taking um, time off, I think. I mean, it was weird at the start of lockdown I was very much delighted to finally have a break um and I was and this is what was so weird about then what happened um is that I thought I was happier than I'd ever been Mm. and then suddenly ah loads of panic attacks you know so um so that was a bit weird I should probably finish I should probably can I finish that the story of what happened so um so giving plasma was a, a week before the due date, um, which meant I was stuck in Luton for two hours. Jesus. Waiting for my, nobody wants that. Wait, nobody wants that, especially not if you're from Watford. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I was stuck there for two hours, waiting for my body to stop shaking, thinking, "Oh my God, what happens if my wife goes into labour now?" And then uh, a week later, we're watching The Incredibles two, um, a, a very good film. I think the bits I've seen and I suddenly felt a bit faint again and they would talk that they gave me this little leaflet when I gave the plasma about oh by the way you might feel faint for that sample for the next week and um 
basically, when I felt a bit faint, I don't really know what happened, but there was like a string of, of essentially just panic attacks getting worse and worse and worse, but I didn't know there were panic attacks. So I thought, oh my God, something's happening to me because of the plasma. Oh my God, something's happening. And eventually coming to the point of like, oh my God, I've had a heart attack and I'm bleeding out the inside and my wife was driving me to A&E, even though it was quite apparent that I was just having a bit of a breakdown um, from, from, the, the, uh, from the, the, the stress of seeing my wife in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then like my own health worries and my worries about my, my job and everything. Right, so this is all COVID related. That was yeah. Or, you could well, say lockdown related. Yes, but this is this is the problem is we'll never know. Would I have had right. some form of similar sure. thing were we not in COVID? Right. And but it does make you stop so and think. It's one of those things that are just immeasurable in terms of the cost of the lockdown, and I, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm anti-lockdown, but um, yeah, but I would. I would. Costs are just yeah. unknown. I would say it just um, was because I had a lot going on. Right, yeah, stressful time. <laughs> but, but my wife would say, yeah, but is it a bit of a coincidence happened on the due date. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, ba- yeah, basically, uh, yeah, we got to a and I collapsed in A&E. Turns out if you collapse in A&E during global pandemic, they send you straight to the COVID ward. So then I had to go to the COVID ward. Fortunately, no one had COVID in that hospital that day. Um so I was still able to attend the birth of my child a couple of days later. Oh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of one of the few people who mentally health crisis themselves onto a COVID ward. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but throughout that whole experience, one of the things that like sort of got me, helped get me level again, other than realising there wasn't actually anything wrong with me and that I was just having a mental breakdown, um, was I will not miss the... Uh, Oh, I should say one of the things that sort of spurred it on as well was because of the feeling faint and everything, we were talking um, on the way to a, to a place after I felt faint about the possibility of, oh no, what if I can't, what if I can't drive my wife to the hospital when she's going to labour, what if I can't be there for her? So that all added to the, the worry and, and, to the, and to the panic and everything. Um, so um so then one thing that kept going was it's fine i'm fine i will i'm not i'm not going to miss the birth, the birth of my child i'm not going to miss the birth of my child i'm not going to miss the birth of my child um and i didn't so sort of a, even i'm sort of still been dealing with the after effects of that thing uh whilst dealing with having a, a newborn and everything and it's been a little different probably more difficult than it would have been yeah um it's actually been good Having a baby. That's part of it. Well, that's good. Yeah. What's the best thing then? The smiles and the... The smiles and the laughs. I got the first laugh, so I was delighted delighted about that. Um, I was really happy about that. And, um, I mean, I really like that she recognises me, like, very quite quickly, she sort of recognised both of us compared to other people, so that's Mm -hmm. really nice. Um, And it's nice to have an excuse to go on walks. (laughs) I think if you're a dog, I was trying to like just persuade my friend the other day to that because he has a dog. And I'm like, well, you're a dog person, so you should have a, ch- a child because it's essentially just having a dog, but way more better and extreme. And, but you can just you know go for walks and socialise and do all these things that essentially just like a back to nature approach. Mm-hmm. Um, just like take a break from your busy life and sit around thinking the whole time and 
trying to stop your head going in the wrong direction and just focus on the baby. Um, that must be good to not be the, the most important thing in your own life anymore. Because you were talking about things changing and just being different, and my big fear is if you don't do it, um, and I don't mean this, I, I'm aware that you're not supposed to say a woman's life isn't complete without a child. Yeah. Fine, I get that. But at the same time, you can't deny that there's something, there must be something really special about becoming a parent. And if you hadn't become a parent, you'd never know what that was. Oh, I'm yeah. sort of quite fascinated by that. That's a huge thing that my friend um, who had a child shortly before me, and he, we had quite an awkward conversation. Um, we might have to, and I'm not going to name him, so it's fine. We had a conversation in a pub where he, basically, he was saying, I'm not sure if I want kids, but my wife does. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? You're like me and that you, you think you're really alternative, but at the same time, you're quite traditional and you, you probably will have kids. And he was like, yeah, you are. Um, but it, it, the whole thing there was like, it wasn't fair of him to take away, because his whole uh, philosophy is, is that life is about experiencing, experiencing many, as many possible things as possible. And it wouldn't have been right of him to take away the experience of pregnancy and the experience of giving birth and the experience of being a mother from his wife. Wow. And that I think that sounds like a good guy. I mean, that's very self-sacrificing because lots of people would just say, no, I don't fancy it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But I mean, well, I mean, I guess it's, it, it's, it's interesting for a, a, a man because you can always pull the ripcord and just get out of the, right. the situation. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I mean, a lot of people will, will judge you for it rightly, but, um, I think you're right though. I mean, as an outsider to all this, it does feel like, well, we know that statistically far more men leave than women. It's very unusual for a woman yeah. to leave. Um, but there's a, there's a cliche that it's like, the, the cliche is, oh, if your wife wants a, a, a kid, you, you're not going to stop her. But really, it's not, that's not what it is. It's that it's not fair of you to stop her if she right. wants a child, because it is one of the most sort of defining things that anyone can do, really. I think that's really interesting that you think, just because I've had, Boyfriends who have not thought that way at all. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't mean, know why I'm laughing. I've had boyfriends who don't think that way at all. Well, I think they shouldn't. It's more. It's more that if they're not prepared to go on that journey with you, then it's just not going to work. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that's-